Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy room, this holy opportunity to hear your words. Lord, if this is about my work, about my words, about my talent or preparation, nothing will happen. But Lord, if it's about you and your spirit, if you infuse the words with your Holy Spirit, if you give grace, peace, truth to them, lives will be changed, ears will be opened, hearts will be transformed. So Lord, we submit this time to you. We give it all to you, knowing that you will do the work that we can't do. Open our eyes and our ears, and let us hear something. Amen. What an amazing opportunity to be able to preach on this convergence of Christ the King Sunday and our time spent in the fruits of the Spirit and talking about peace. It's interesting because I think we as Americans in 2023, we have a unique king problem. Because we don't really do kings here in America, right? Our, in fact, our story is about rejecting the king. And we broke away from the crown. And we are people with presidents and Congress. And, and we vote our leaders in. And, and that's how we work. Kings are over there. They're for other people. But I want to remind you that for thousands of years... In fact, most of human history, kings were the way it was. Whoever was in charge was in charge. And they did whatever they wanted to do. And they, if you went against them, they could kill you. They would cut you out. They would banish you. They were in charge. And this is the most of the world understood being under a king was listening to them and accepting their authority. Now, we as Americans, we say, nope, in four years, if I don't like what you're doing, I'm going to vote you out. Or I'm going to vote against the rules and the laws of the land. And this is good for democracy and for government. But for us as Christians, I think we struggle with this idea of kingship. Because Jesus doesn't come as a president of whom we choose and every four years can decide whether we agree with or don't agree with. Jesus is king. He is king. He rules. He reigns. Why? He created everything. He is in charge. This is the way it is. Our voices don't matter. We're not there saying, yeah, but, but I think you should be a little more forgiving towards me and a little less forgiving towards him. I think you should operate in this way, Jesus. She says, no, I'm in charge. I rule. I'm the king, and you submit to my authority. And all of us go, yeah, but I don't want to. And this age-old problem, the age-old problem that goes all the way back to the beginning of creation is we don't like to submit. In the garden, the serpent tempted the woman by saying, you can be like God. 
you can be in charge. And that sounds really good to us. And so Christ the King Sunday, there's something very difficult about Christ the King Sunday because we come in and we go, yes, I want you to be in charge, but also I still want to have control. And Jesus stands and says, no, I am king and you are my subject. Here's the crazy thing about the kingship of Christ, though. Unlike other kings throughout history who are looking for their own political advantage, economic advantage, their power, their authority, their comfort, Christ uses his power for his people. Christ loves his people. Christ gave himself up for his people. He is not a king looking for authority, looking for power, but he's a king looking to serve. He's a king looking to pour out his love for his people. And this kind of kingship is one that gives us things that we can't understand. It's a kind of kingship that when we're willing to submit, what comes with it is not being beaten down under the authority of the king who's trying to destroy us, but it gives us freedom. You see, it's a lot of work being in charge all the time. Um, Emily and I will say to each other sometimes, I'm just done adulting. Do you ever feel that way? Maybe your Thanksgiving week made you feel this way, right? So the, the version of, you think about our family's Thanksgiving week, right? For us, it was making the plans to go up to cool California, which is the real name of a city in Northern California, driving 400 miles, making hotel reservations in between to break up the kids' trip so it wouldn't be too long because no one wants to be in a car for seven and a half hours with three children. So breaking it up, trying to find a place to stay, booking those reservations, making the money to do that, packing all of their stuff up, putting it in the car, driving up there, unpacking, having fun, repacking, driving, making sure there's food, making sure there's sleeping arrangements, getting back in the car, driving all the way back home. And our kids, when they get home, they just wake up and they go, oh, we're here already. And Emily and I go, yes, after 400 miles of driving, we're here already. Because what do my kids, what's their experience of Thanksgiving? Oh, I get in the car, I show up at this fun place, all my stuff is there, magically my stuff has appeared, I have underwear, clothes, I go and I do the fun thing, then I go to this place, oh, the food's already here, I get to eat, pie, all sorts of pie, all sorts of things, get in the car, watch the iPad, fall asleep, wake up, and I'm home. I choose their life. That's the version that I want to have. But I and her have to adult the whole time. And you do too. I get it. We're in this together. But here's the great thing about Jesus' kingship. When we're willing to submit to his kingship, what comes with it is the freedom to be children, is the freedom to trust him with those things and to say, I don't have to be in charge anymore. It's a lot of work being in charge as this last word has proven to all of us adults in the room. But in Christ, we get to have him as king, and so we don't have to be in charge. So thinking about that, let's look at this wonderful verse in the book of Philippians. 
And I want us to look at for a key part of this that teaches us what is it to have this kind of king and extraordinary peace that comes with it. So let's hear these words from the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, Philippians is an unusual letter because it's a letter full of joy, but at the same time, we think that Paul was experiencing imprisonment, chained up, he was um, suffering for the gospel, but yet he's talking about rejoicing, and they call it his joyful letter, full of joy. Now, when Paul, I believe that Paul dictated most of his letters, if not all of them, because I think Paul had bad eyesight. So I don't think Paul could see very well, and so he couldn't write his letters. So he'd have someone there who'd be doing the writing for him, and he'd be dictating them. And you get this feeling when Paul can start to go on a roll, when he can start to really get excited about something, and you can tell he's talking to his scribe, and they're trying to keep up with him. I think about Ephesians 5, when um, he starts talking about husbands and wives, and then he goes on this whole discourse about um, Christ and the church, and at the end of it, he says, well, I know you think I've been talking about husbands and wives, but actually I've been talking about Christ and the church. Let me circle back to husbands and wives. Oh, thanks, Paul. Because he does these tangents, and his brain is doing something, and we're standing 2,000 years later going, what's happening, Paul? And sometimes he's really hard to understand and really hard to translate in Greek because there's all these winding trails. So there's a key when you look for what's Paul's driving thought. What is making him excited? What's bringing all these words out of him that he wants to tell us? And I think there are two keys in this verse that when we understand it the way Paul did, we understand the rest of the verse. And this is where I think they are. The first is in the beginning part of this section, Philippians chapter 4, verse um, verse 5, where he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. I think when Paul says this, the Lord is near, he starts to get excited about this fact that we have a king who is close to us, and who is for us. And he says it again here at the end, where he says, and the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul, deep in his DNA, believed God was with him. Right here, his king, and his king was for him. And his king was acting on his behalf with Paul's best interest in mind. And he could trust that king. And that that king was there with him all the time. He's locked up in jail, imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, but the Lord is near. He hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't let go of me. He won't let go of me. And that truth, I think, was just fundamental to who Paul was. It was in his DNA 
As he's walking the streets, as he's having conversations, as he's sleeping, as he's laughing, as he's eating with friends, the Lord is near. He's in this situation. He's king of this situation. The God of peace will be with you. He doesn't abandon you. That king does not just live in a palace far away, but is with us. And if we start to think about that truth and we take that version of kingship into ourselves, and we hear these words again, I think they start to make sense in a new way with a beauty that fills this up. So I want you to hear these verses again from Philippians, but I want you to hear them with that truth at the core of it. The Lord is near. The Lord is for you. The king is close, and he's on your side. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, for the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This idea of kingship is hard because we don't want to submit. We want to be in charge. But when we're willing to acknowledge that it's very difficult to be in charge, it's a lot of work to be in charge, and we can rest in the fact that we are a daughter and son of the king. We can say things like Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. A peace that passes all understanding. I was in seminary and I took a missions class, an immigration class. And um, a part of the project was we had to get to know a different culture. And I did a project on a Korean Presbyterian church at the time. And um, one of our other students, she did a project um, on some African ministries. And it involved trying to show up and meet people and interview people and talk to people. And one of the um, people she met was a young woman. And when she went into the room, she started talking to this young woman. And she introduced herself first and then asked for the person's name. And the young woman said her name and then immediately said, I am a daughter of the king. And it took my... um, friend a little while to figure out what she was talking about. She was wondering if there was a cultural thing or or some kind of thing she didn't understand. But finally, she understood that this girl, this young lady, immediately introduced herself as, I am so-and-so, and who am I? I'm a daughter of King Jesus. You don't know me until you understand that I'm a daughter of the king, and he is for me. And this interaction moved my friend. She started to recognize that her first words to people, her self-understanding is not, I am a daughter of the king, but is so many other things. And what if for you and me, what if for us, we started to understand our identity as found as submitting to a king? And I know submission's hard. 
I know we don't like it. I know we don't want to look to him and say, I believe you, teach me. But in allowing that part of ourselves to die, we get to understand and have the privilege of a new name, son and daughter of the king. And in that submission comes the freedom to rest and have peace. Show up at Thanksgiving and have our clothes and food be there. To rest in peace in a king who is for you and who knows you. So let's stop trying to be in charge. Let's stop trying to take control and instead spend time submitting. Heavenly Father, none of us want to acknowledge that we don't have it all together. It is a difficult thing for us to do. And so, Lord, we ask at this time that you teach us once again what it is to be king. You teach us once again what it is to submit to your lordship so that we can be found resting in you. Lord, come into this place. And for all of us in this room, all of us who are tired, all of us who have worked so hard to be in charge, help us to once again submit to your love, to your kingship, so that we can have freedom. Freedom to be called sons and daughters of the king. Amen.